Hey, welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for October 9th, 2017. I'm Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, owner of Trade Show Guy Exhibits. We're a project management company out of Salem, Oregon. also have a book out, which you can find on Amazon, called Trade Show Success, 14 Proven Steps to Take Your Trade Show Marketing to the Next Level. And, of course, my blog at tradeshowguyblog.com. October 9th, uh, good date in my history. It's it's uh, it's John Lennon's birthday, and I've been like like the biggest John Lennon fan since I was like eight years old. And the Beatles conquered America, which I've always loved. Uh, it's it's also been a weird and sad week. Uh, what with the uh, the shootings in in Las Vegas, where so many in our industry spend time, uh, because it's such a central hub for a lot of shows, conferences, events, and of course also the passing. Uh, this past week of the great rock and roller Tom Petty, leader of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I was a young man in radio in 1976 when his first album came out, and I, I was a music director at a little station, and a lot of stuff came in, and I, I'd seen the album, but I hadn't listened to it until a few days later. A guy actually called me up and said, hey, can you play Breakdown by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? And I went, um, let, let me go see, and I played it, and and I thought it was great. And so we played a lot of Tom Petty when I was music director. So sorry to see him go. I got a chance to see him play uh, live a few times, which was nice. So, well, on today's podcast slash video blog or vlog, I had a fun conversation uh, to play for you with uh, Dan Paulson. He's a business consultant who has a recent book out called Apples to Apples, How to Stand Out from Your Competition. So let's give a listen and a look. Good morning. It's uh, Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and this is the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, and I get to welcome a, a great guest this morning, Dan Paulson. Uh, Dan has a new book out. Uh, maybe it's not new. I don't know. You, it's new to me. <laughs> new to you. A little bit old. to Apples, uh, and we'll have a link to it. Uh, how to stand out from your competition. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing today? Good morning. Good morning to you. I'm doing great. And I noticed that I'm holding uh, your book up against mine, and they're the exact same size. So, awesome. I don't know what, if that means anything. And the same <laughs> thickness, so it might anyway. mean the same printer. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. Uh, you know, and, and, and when I interview an author, I always have to go back to the Larry King approach, which is, why'd you write the book? I had nothing better to do at the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wrote the book um, mainly because with what I do, I experience a lot of different things in different companies. And, and the bottom line is all the issues that every company, every business faces is virtually identical. Of course, everyone else thinks that their situation is unique and that um, their problems are unique. But really, it, it boils down to a couple key factors that if you, if you focus on five key areas of your business, typically you'll do pretty well. And if if you're one of those rare exceptions like uh, a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates, maybe you'll even knock it out of the park. But I, I find any company can be successful if they focus on five areas of their business. And, and the point of putting the book together was to really allow or, or to get companies to understand um, it's not focusing on one thing. For example, you can just focus on sales and that's fine. But if you haven't done the homework in the background, and, and we've kind of talked about this in, in other conversations we had, if, if you haven't done your diligence and putting together a vision and the, getting people on board with that vision and, and, and having a good product and having a good service offering, you can get more sales, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to grow. Right. So the, the idea of the book is to you know, look, at your, look at your business in five succinct areas and then figure out how those areas work together and what areas you need to improve. So uh, just, you want to tick those five areas off? Sure. Um, it is direction. And direction I define as your vision. 
okay. path is, is how you're going to get there. So the analogy I often use is if you think of your company and your vision as where you're going in, in your business, there's going to be a destination. So the destination, I'm here in the Midwest. So let's say I'm going to Los Angeles. My vision is to get to Los Angeles. Whatever Los Angeles looks like, we'll figure it out when we get there and we'll probably right. be driving somewhere else because maybe we want to improve that. Uh, your path is, is how you're going to get there. So it's the roadmap. And then you want to design the roadmap with enough lanes so that you can maneuver around traffic and obstacles that, that come your way. And that, that's really where the values of your business come in. Uh, to get anything accomplished, you need people. So if you don't have people that are, are engaged in your business and engaged in your vision and the direction you're taking things, it's going to create some conflict along the way. Uh, from there, you need, you need process. You need systems in place to make sure things are done consistently or you deliver at a service level that you're expecting. And then you, you need measures. You need ways to track to make sure you're staying on the right path and going the right direction. And then if you're not, allow yourself to make adjustments accordingly. So when it comes to differentiating, you mentioned that, that, that word always sticks out to me because, you know, I'm in a business of um, basically selling trade show exhibits mm -hmm. and there's a lot of great exhibits out there and, and I can pretty much put my hands on any of them. So that's, I'm not really going to differentiate myself from other companies with the exhibit itself Correct. because there's a lot of different things out there. So, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but my, my goal is to, is to, you know, be a hands-on when you talk to, you know, the, when you're buying from me, you're talking to the owner of the company. It's a small right. company. It's me. You're going to get me. I'm going to make mm -hmm. sure everything works for you. And you know, my first thought is, well, uh, every other company does that, don't they? <laughs> Maybe not the owner of the company, but they're going to make sure everything works. And so, it, you know, that's a, that's a struggle that I have. How do you differentiate, um, especially for a smaller uh, company? Well, that, that's the challenge I think all businesses face is, is understanding what that true differentiator is. And I'll, I'll take you back to when I first started this conversation. I was working with a, a number of banks, financial institutions. Well, uh, you know, pick how many banks are, are in your town. You know, where I live, yeah. there's probably a good five or six banks in my community. And then if you go, you know, expand that radius about five miles, 10 miles further, you probably get into another five or six different banks that are working in those communities. And it's not like the old days where you had a, a bank in your community and, and they service that group of people. And then you go over to the next town and they had their bank and that service, that group of people. Technology, Technology has changed things. Uh, how we do business has changed things. And now we can do business everywhere. And when I was talking with the bankers about it, the things they focused on were, well, it's, it's our people and it's our service. And yeah, that's sort of true. But again, if everyone's saying it's their people and everyone's saying it's their service, then what is it about those two things that are really truly different? Because if I can't understand that and I'm, I'm, I'm working with Tim, the banker now, and he's saying, well, we've got, we've got the best people. We've got the best service. We'll take care of you. And the other bankers are saying the same thing. Then it comes down to really what, what is the true difference? Well, Tim has a home loan. Tim's bank has a home loan and is at 5%. And I go to another bank and their bank is, their loan is at 4.75%. Where am I going to go? Probably to the cheaper one because I don't understand the difference that your bank or that Tim's bank is, is providing for me. And so that it's is a challenge because so many people are price shopping uh, exactly. and everything. And, and you can, you can compare everything online, you know, and people can mm -hmm. buy exhibits uh, from overseas that are a lot less than what 
uh, they cost to make in America. Yeah, go and on so eBay, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you got to compete. You can't compete on price. You have to find mm-hmm. other ways to stand out. And a lot of the people get trapped in the danger of okay, the features and benefits. Let's let's enumerate those, but <laughs> that doesn't really resonate with a lot of people. Uh, actually, most people, it everybody, it doesn't. And the reason I say that is our brains work a certain way. We process information a certain way, and and it starts with that fight or flight mentality that that early part of our brain they call it the amygdala the the reptile brain everything goes through our emotional side and then it links to our rational side so we've already made the decision emotionally on what we're going to do and then we rationalize that decision through the features the benefits the facts the figures and yet as advertisers or marketers or business owners we tend to come at it from the rationalization side because we're not in that emotional state so we try to sell the facts, the figures, and then realize that in the end, the, the person's not making the connection that way. So as you're trying to differentiate yourself, you have to reverse your thought process on, on how you're connecting with your, your potential client or your customer. And, and so, you know, let's take that a little bit further because I, I, I've been taking a sales class, a Sandler sales training here for the last year. And one of the things that uh, was made clear to me, and I think I knew this beforehand, but, but mm-hmm. we kind of broke it down even more, is that people buy because they're trying to avoid pain, get away from pain, or they're moving towards pleasure. And it's actually easier to sell to someone who's avoiding pain than it is to sell to someone uh, trying to get to pleasure in, in, in a sense. It's the same motivations in a sense, but uh, that's really what motivates people is avoiding one or pursuing the other. Yeah. I talk a lot about that in the book. Uh, if you understand those two facets, you're right. Pain, we're all trying to drive away from pain. Uh, yet we need to understand or visualize the benefits we're going to have. So when I'm linking to it, I'm looking at both sides of the coin. Yes, you you want to understand where that pain point is at. That's what you sell to. Ultimately, though, you have to sell why your solution is different, better, or how it's going to, once you alleviate that pain, put you in a better position to hit that dopamine kick. Right. So you go into a furniture store, you see a great couch and you, you sit down and say, man, this is really comfortable, but you justify it by saying, well, this is really built well. It's built here in America yep. and you have all these items that go through your head that say, okay, I can pull out my checkbook and, or my card and, and buy this because, but ultimately they're buying it because they love how it feels and that's an emotion. Yes, it is. I, I link it to cars. So I'm a car guy. Yeah. Um, you'll never catch me driving a Prius because I don't like the way that car makes me feel. However, there, there are other cars that um, it's the smell of the leather. It's the sound of the exhaust. It's the size of the engine. It's everything about that car gives gives you that feel. And you can relate it to a Harley owner. They could say, well, they own a motorcycle and they do. But if you said that to a Harley owner, they would be quite insulted because their their Harley is different than a Suzuki or a Honda or or anything else out there. And, And there's markets for those. It's just understanding your market and the benefit you bring to that market, the uniqueness and, and the feeling you create for that customer. And there are some brands that people are so dedicated to, they actually have the brand tattooed on them. I'm sure you <laughs> could find some Harley drivers who have Harley tattooed Almost every Harley driver, I think, has, you know, so, every so Harley rider is going to have one. So that particular brand is just uh, crazy to, to, to have that kind of dedication and, and loyalty. Uh, and certainly there are other brands that people are dedicated to. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the big brands you talk about, I believe, Apple, uh, Coca-Cola and that sort of thing. And, and people have, have ways that they are emotionally connected to these things. The, the Apple fanboys, you know, I'm a big Apple yes. guy, but I wasn't so six I. or seven years ago, you know? 
mm-hmm. um, but I am now because I think to me it's a superior thing and, and I like having an Apple. So <laughs> Right. And, 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 and when it comes to cars, if I could have the car, my dreams would be a Tesla, not because, <laughs> you know, it's a cool looking car, but it's like, man, there's a status there and it's, 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 it, it resonates with my thought of um, no gasoline, no oil changes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing something good for the planet. And that's a big part of it. So it's interesting what draws you to things. Exactly. And, you know, it even goes down to the type of food you eat when you shop in the grocery store. Uh, you might buy those cookies or you might buy a certain brand of pasta just based on what your, your parents bought. And, and that's what the things you remember. So it takes you back to your childhood. And, you know, this is why they're still selling Oreo cookies, you know, 100 years right. later. <laughs> so when you talk to a small business uh, or a medium-sized business, you talk about direction, path, and people, and process, and, yep. and measures. Uh, let's talk about direction. How, how do you get them to define the direction or recognize it? I, I wonder if a lot of businesses don't even recognize it until you sit there and ask them about it. Um, I think most a lot of business owners do have a direction. They have a vision. Um, how clear that vision is and how well communicated that vision, that's the difference. And business owners seem to have an idea in their head of what they want, but they don't share it with anybody else. And then they run into problems where, you know, employees aren't doing the right things the right way, or they don't understand why a uh, business owners are asking them to, to take an extra step when they don't see why that extra step matters because in the end, if the customer gets their product, then it should be good. I'm actually dealing with that with the situation right now where the owners want to actually recognize, reward, and incent their employees more, and the employees are resisting that because they're seeing some of the extra work that they're being required to do to create a better service experience is just getting in the way of their job. They don't see the value in it. So we're actually busy working with the owners to help them explain why they're doing the things that they're doing and how in the end is going to help help their own employees um, make more money. Do you think a lot of businesses, uh, because they're inside of it, they, they, they don't see it objectively and so they really can't see the forest for the trees? you think that's a big, big uh, part of what's <laughs> Isn't going that on? all of our problems? We're, <laughs> we're too close to our own situation to figure yeah. it out. And, yeah. and that's a challenge for me and I'm sure it's a challenge for you and, and every, every one of your listeners is we get so wound up in our business that we don't take the time to focus on our business. Right. And, and my whole role is getting, getting those business owners take a step back Let's look at what you're doing. Are you doing the right things? If you're doing the right things, are you doing them at the right time for the right reasons with the right people to create the right results? And it's looking at each one of those facets uh, along the way and really seeing where those disconnects are at. And then, you know, creating a process that actually fixes that. Very good. So the book is called Apples to Apples, Dan Paulson. And tell me about your, uh, first of all, tell me where people can find this. Uh, they can get a free digital copy if they want online. They can go to applesbook.com and they can download a digital copy. If they would like a uh, paperback copy, they can definitely get it through that, that portal as well. I'll, okay. I'll cover the cost of shipping and hand, or I'll ask them to pay the cost of shipping and handling, but I'll, right. I'll give them the book for free. If they want to pick up the book, it's also out on Amazon. They're welcome to do that. Uh, also. And then, and then tell them, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Lunchbox Leadership is your podcast, uh, or feedyourmindpodcast.com, I can see over your shoulder there. So tell me about that. How long has that been going on, and what's your focus of the podcast? Uh, that's been going on for a couple months. The focus of the podcast is to really talk to business owners, uh, talk to business owners and ser- service providers, and look at two different perspectives. So from the business owner side, getting the business owners to share some of the challenges that they faced and what they did to work through those challenges to 
to reach the level of success that they have. Uh, from the service provider side, uh, uh, obviously is to provide a level of expertise that I don't have in certain areas of business, um, much like yours with Trade Show, uh, allowing you to explain to my customers what might help them do their jobs better. Gotcha. So we've been doing that for about two months now and uh, it's going pretty good. I've got some pretty good uh, guests on there, you being one of them. I, I appreciate that and looking fun, to have many it? more. It's fun, yeah, it? it is. It is. Get <laughs> to talk to people and that's always yeah, fun. Yeah, that's always fun. Dan, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate your time uh, on, on this podcast. I have to remember, I'm not the guest. You're the guest today <laughs> because I was just on, we did the recording uh, earlier this morning. It's kind of funny, but yeah. uh, Dan, uh, thanks again. I appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Take care. My thanks again to Dan Paulson for joining me on today's trade show guy, Monday morning coffee. Uh, a quick trade show tip of the week comes from pro exhibits, a blog post. I found them tweeting about on Twitter. That's what you do, I guess. It's called Be Extracurricular at a Trade Show. Uh, you should never travel to a conference just to sit behind a table and camp out in your hotel room. Oh, no, 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 no. There's value to be gained that extends far beyond your exhibit booth or table, and you can gain it by just having fun. Uh, attend receptions, group activities, lectures, after-hours meetups, and networking opportunities. I do all that. But the other thing I do is is try and book an extra day if it's a location that I haven't been to or I'm, I'm not familiar with and I want to spend some time. So I'll book an extra day on the end or the beginning of the trip so I can take the rental car and drive around the area and just see what's out there. It's kind of fun. Uh, so this person that wrote this says they formed new partnerships, acquired new customers, developed friendships, and found mentors through the network opportunities at these events. Uh, they've been by far some of the most valuable aspects of events for her and her business. All right. And to wrap up, one good thing, it's kind of the flip side of uh, the passing of Tom Petty, and that is the incredible career that he left behind 40-plus years in the spotlight, 40 years of great music, always holding to his values as a songwriter, high integrity in his career, standing up to record companies. you, you got to admire that in him. Uh, whether you're a big fan or not, uh, he, he lived a pretty good uh, life, in, and uh, he lived it his own way. So I'm just going to go crank it up now. So thanks. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time.